Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. True Hauntings is a Human Labs original podcast. Way up high in the middle of Bodmin Moor, you'll find the Jamaica Inn, a pub once frequented by local pirates and smugglers. It's small and incessantly battered by the elements. So remote and far from civilization is this small inn that it inspired Daphne du Maurier to write her iconic book of the same name, The Jamaica Inn, in the 1930s. Join us this week as we explore the history, lore and myth about the inn in preparation for our visit this year. All going well, that is. As it is on our list of places to stay over during our naughty and nice road trip in the United Kingdom. Hi, I'm Renata. And I'm Anne. And in this episode of the True Hauntings podcast, we check out the jaunty seafaring legends of the Jamaica Inn. Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Well, hello, Renata. Welcome back to the studio. Welcome back for our first episode of 2022. Isn't it exciting? Oh, it is. It's so exciting to see the arse end of 2021. Yes. Fingers, toes crossed, everything crossed that this year is going to be super fantastic for everyone around the world and for us. Especially for us. (laughs) Especially for us. We need a break. Because we've only got about two and a half months and we're off. Yes. Oh, that's that's Rona Willing. Rona Willing. Rona Willing. And we are going to have so much stuff from this tour. Oh, yes. I'm going to have so many fridge magnets. (laughs) There's going to be a year's worth of podcasts from this. (laughs) I can feel it in my bones. It's it's great to be going to the places that we've researched and talked about. Yes. And we're adding a few more of those now. So you're going to get some pretty heavily weighted United Kingdom, um, Ireland uh, topics for the next couple of weeks because we're going. So we want to be really well researched before we go to each one of these locations Mm -hmm. so we can be experts. Mm -hmm. And then when we get there, we will go, this has lift up to our expectations or, oh my God, just don't go here. (laughs) Oh, but look, either way, we'll have fun because oh, absolutely. even if it's not haunted, we have fun. I've got to find that video of you at that haunted hotel where you decided to do a cabinet demonstration in the wardrobe. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. After the Arthur Findlay collage mm-hmm. of uh, education. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. Yes. We'll always find. Oh, look, there, there is so much, so much to do and see and experience over in the UK. Uh, and in Ireland that um, I, I just cannot wait for the um, the Irish butter and <laughs> the soda bread. <laughs> soda bread. <laughs> it's all about the food with us. <laughs> oh. And if you haven't seen what we look like yet, you will know that it's all about the food. <laughs> <laughs> 
me more so than Renata. Oh, no, it's just, yeah, it's we have so much fun when we go away. Um, and we have gone out of our way this time to look for really interesting and unusual places. So some of the places that we go might not be so well known, but there yeah. is a reason why we're going crazy because it's the naughty and nice road trip. That's right. <laughs> it's going to be insane. We've got this map. Um, we've got a Google map thing that we've, we're dropping dots on. So if it's a brown dot, it means it's a dirty name. <laughs> so it's like might be Shitterton or Twat. Uh, and that's the name of the town or the road or something like that. And then we start to drop red drops around the place which means it's haunted. Mm-hmm. And then I've got purple drops, which means it's shopping. Oh, no, green drops were shopping mm-hmm. um, in like uh, uh, haunted bookstores or um, things like that. And uh, there's another one. Oh, haunted hotels. Mm-hmm. So we are dropping all these dots on the map and then we're going to link them together so that we can cover the most amount of naughtiness mm-hmm. in one drive. Yes. And yep. it's all got to fit into two weeks. Yep. We're going to get nuts. Mm-hmm. It's going to be so much fun. nuts. And the thing is, we will be doing lots of lives and lots of recordings and everything. So um, we're we're priming you all to join us because this is why we're doing it. We want you to come along on this journey, on this fun ride of of craziness with us every single moment of the trip. Yep. The car rides are the funniest. Um, all right, well, let's let's get on to the Jamaica Inn now and uh, find out about the ghosties that yes. reside there. As a birthday treat, my wife Leslie arranged a two-night stay at this famous old coaching inn. I thought, wow, but in hindsight, perhaps I shouldn't have been so hasty. Room 5 is supposed to be the haunted room, but let me tell you... Room six is no pushover. Opening the door to room six, I felt a sharp intake of breath was needed as you could cut the atmosphere with a knife. The large four-poster bed looked inviting, but was warm on one side and freezing on the other. Nowhere near a window, by the way. Heading down to dinner for a nice cooked meal, we were surprised again. Tissues were used to hold the plates with as they were so hot. However, Leslie went to eat her meal and it was cold along with the plate. Mine, you still could not handhold, but why? That instant remains a mystery. Nothing really happened until about 9.30pm when filming in my room I recorded a large bright orb come straight out of the wooden headboard and hover over a trigger object placed on the bed before disappearing very quickly. It was about 12.30am, we decided to go to bed and just laying came three massive bangs from the ensuite bathroom, but I didn't get up to investigate until the morning. At one point, I saw a golden orb zip across the room with my naked eye as it headed towards a lit bedside lamp, which dimmed right down to nothing before brightening back up as the orb moved off and disappeared. About 3am, I heard buckled boots walking down the corridor, and then the worst, the gunmetal door latch being rattled. I was petrified. My wife was fast asleep, but then the footsteps moved off into the distance. Jumping up, I opened the door and there was nothing there anywhere. And we were the only guests on that top floor that night. Eventually, daylight started to appear over Bodmin Moor and I felt safe. So I settled down to sleep, finally. That was a mistake. As soon as I felt someone watching me, so I took a peep just to see, but it was okay. So I lay back down and started to feel icy cold and cobwebbing going down my back, which unnerved me, but not as much as the bed covers lifting off my shoulder and sliding down to my ankles. Leslie my wife still fast asleep on the other side of the bed and I couldn't even reach her so I know it wasn't her. Enough was enough. 
I was up and into the bathroom where I found lumps of plaster on the floor. What a night I experienced in the not-so-famous room six. I have stayed in room five and never experienced anything like that. Now, Renata, how cool was that soundscape? That was by someone called Pete Barry, and I grabbed that off the ghostbook.co.uk backslash Jamaica Inn. Mm. And that was his real life experience wow. of that room. Lots of orbs in that. But he saw them with his own he, eye. He did. Um, with his naked eye. His naked eye. And naked eye. He had no clothing on his <laughs> eyes that day. And there was an orange one too. <laughs> they can't possibly, no, there can't possibly be any dust in an inn. Oh, no, like not that. from the 1700s. No. There would be no dust no. whatsoever. <laughs> The plaster falling off is a little bit of a worry. Oh, I was a little concerned. <laughs> oh, um, my God. I, I don't know if that's ghostly. I, I would be slightly concerned. Hey, which room are we going to stay in? Oh, I'll go for six. Well, let's let's leave it up to our listeners. I want them all to tell us by the end of this story, what room should we book to sleep in at the Jamaica Inn? <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, and and there's I, lots. And when I heard top floor, all I could think about oh, was oh, the hot luggage. <laughs> luggage. Oh, no. I look, every all around uh, England and Ireland, I tried pulling the, the old card. Oh, we're in our 50s. Oh, you know, we're getting, we're late 50s, early 60s. Can you please give us a, a lower um, floor? And every time they'd put us in the top floor, yeah, we'd have these huge suitcases we'd drag everywhere. But... But we got smart last time and we had did over- we? <laughs> yes we did we had overnight bags remember we we left our big suitcases in uh, the car mm-hmm. and because we had that beautiful um, <gasps> the Jaguar. The Jaguar, yes. With all the bells and yes. whistles. I've so never had- experienced like, anything <laughs> like that in my life. We had the Jag. And so we left our big suitcases in the Jag and we would only take up what we needed for the night. Yes. So that was an awesome idea. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. I don't know if we'll do that. But all our precious procession- processions, possessions of the, all the things we've bought, we have to leave them in the car to be possibly pinched. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's get on to some history about the Jamaica Inn. So let's set the scene here with a, a little bit of a story about what this place is all about. So Cornwall's most famous smuggling inn, the Jamaica Inn, is shrouded in history and has one of the finest collections of smuggling artefacts in the country. So it's got like a museum where you've got Smuggling stuff. Smuggling stuff. <laughs> smuggling stuff. What does smuggling stuff look? I know what you smuggle your budgies, your budgie smugglers. I know what oh. they are. <laughs> um, I don't want to play with what's in those. We'll, we'll, we'll go further. We'll uh, go for further. those from other countries, please look up what budgie smugglers mean in mm. in Australia. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat it in case there's children yeah. watching. Yes, it's yeah. Welcome to Australia. A visit to the Inns Museum includes the Daphne du Maurier room with the actual desk she wrote her novels on, plus an educational and historical short film about smuggling in Cornwall and the part Jamaica Inn played. The odd ghost or two is said to occupy the inn, which is regularly visited by ghost hunters on popular ghost hunt weekends. And it's going to be us. Yes. Once upon a time, the only way you could reach the inn was by horse and carriage, or if you were brave enough to battle the elements and dubious characters along the way, by foot. The inn was first built and used as a coaching inn and as a place for weary travellers to stop on their journey. What they taught people. They coached them. No, no, no. no. For for coaches, like not oh, bus coaches. <laughs> yeah, bus coaches. Right. <laughs> As a place for weary travellers to stop on the journey through to Land's End at the very edge of Cornwall, the inn probably gets its name from the local landowners, the Trelawney family, who were governors of Jamaica. When the inn was built in the 1750s... Oh, Professor Trelawney from, um, from Harry Potter. She was a seer. Well, see, there you go. It's, all, it's all linked. It is. It's all true. Harry oh, Potter is true. I know. When the inn was built in 1750, there was no main road running through Cornwall. 
instead a dirt track fraught with highwaymen and robbers, was the only way to reach the westernmost parts of the UK. Though the building in the Jamaica Inn, oh, sorry, though the building of the Jamaica Inn only dates back to the 18th century, other parts of its surrounding hamlet date all the way back to the 15th. And don't you remember the roads around Cornwall? Where you've got the hedges on both sides. Oh, and they'd have little byways where you, you have a little, like a bubble on the side of the road. Just a tiny little thing where you could pull your car over to the side and let the lorries go flying yes. past you. Oh, what what a joyous, what a, a joyous. Didn't you and your other travel companion go off the road <laughs> on one of those? Oh, yes, we did. <laughs> she found the only ditch <laughs> on a road that there could possibly have been. I still laugh at that and I go, how in the world... Did you manage it's a talent. to put the, the car in a ditch? Like kilometres, kilometres of nothing, and she finds the only ditch and <laughs> runs off the road and goes into it. And there's no way we can get the car out. That's a story in itself. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so when it was first built, the pub was frequented by plenty of pirates and smugglers. The Jamaica Inn probably also played a large role in housing much of the illegal contraband these smugglers transported. After all, it was conveniently located between two major towns in the area, Bodmin and Launceston. Cornwall has a long history of free trade, that is to say importers did not pay taxes on their goods and instead smuggled contraband alcohol and food into the country via secret passageways and tunnels. I like a secret passage. (laughs) What if it ends in a priest hole? (laughs) We're not getting far with this, are we? Though they are often touted as the Robin Hoods of their day, the smugglers were often ruthless and violent. That being said, many of the smugglers were trying to support family members and loved ones at a time when the state did little to help those that needed it most. The real truth about the morality of smugglers probably lies somewhere in between. They were not good men, but they weren't all bad either. Now, there are also tales about shipwrecking occurring in the local area, though no evidence has ever come to light. In the past, the history of shipwrecking has been dramatically romanticised and even TV productions have painted the practice of shipbreaking as something admirable and romantic rather than a shocking practice resulting in the murder of many innocent men. Now, if you're not sure what shipwrecking is... And what wreckers are, then it's this. Ship breaking was where men known as wreckers would trick ships into crashing on the rocks by using beacons of light in the middle of the night. Oh, so they pretended to be a lighthouse or something? Mm, of leading them in oh, to the harbour. like a pilot. Mm-hmm. So this light was intended to mimic lighthouses uh-huh. and therefore safe passage. See, I know this stuff because I, I grew up next to a lighthouse. Yes, you did. I did. The ships would then crash and flounder on the rocks. The wreckers would take advantage of the chaos to loot the ship's goods and often murder the surviving crew in the process. So that was called shipwrecking or shipbreaking, depending on what part of Cornwall you come from, I guess. The Jamaica Inn was written, or the story of the Jamaica Inn by Daphne du Maurier was actually written... In the Jamaica Inn. So she actually penned it there. By Daphne du Maurier. They've they've still got her desk there where she actually wrote it. I'm sure it's a real thing. So she was born in London um, in 1907. However, she loved the countryside from a young age and would often visit and escape to the Cornish countryside because Cornwall was absolutely beautiful. Still is. She loved the the country so much. Don't make mistakes like that, Renata. Don't make mistakes like that. We'll get sent off the air. I I, I fixed it really very quickly. I fixed it up. She loved. Hopefully, people missed that. She loved the. I can't say it now. You've triggered me. (laughs) Country. Country. So much that she purchased a holiday home there in Bodenick along the coastline. She even wrote her first novel in Cornwall, based on the stories of boat builders in the fictional town of Plyn. And with its seaside location and pretty houses, the town of Plyn may well refer to the picturesque village of Fowey. 
Fowey, Fowey, Fowey. Beds. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. I have to look. Give up us a look. The, See, let me have a crack at it. I'll have to have a look or, at, or, at or, where or, that or, place is. Well, you've just handed me a whole page. Where there, is it? There, there, there. Ah, oh, Fowey. Fowey. <laughs> Fowey. <laughs> Sorry if Fowey. I've upset anyone Yee. from that township. You can send me a message. Fowey. Just stop. Be, be stop. Polish. Stop. Put, make it the W of V. Stop. Falvey. Daphne de Moria finally arrived in, at the Jamaica Inn on a cold and misty night in 1930. Travelling with a friend by horse, it's said that they were lost on the moors, of course. Fortunately, the horses led them to the safety of the inn, and this is where the idea for her legendary book began. I want to read it now. Over the following few days, de Moria learned about the complete history of the inn as well as all of the smuggling in the area. The book was eventually turned into a film by oh, we can Alfred, watch the film instead. Yeah, by <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock and oh. several successful TV series. Let's do that. Yeah. When de Moria died in 1989, the inn where her literary career was launched decided to honour her career and her connection to Cornwall. They built a special room full of personal items and de Moria memorabilia. Over time, the collection of the mementos grew, aided by donations from the de Moria estate. The highlight of the room is the author's writing desk, on which you can see a packet of de Maurier cigarettes, named after her father, the actor Sir Gerald de Maurier. There are family photos and personal items, including a suitcase and fan bought from the author's home in Kilmarth. There are also several copies of her book signed by de Maurier. Ooh. Ooh. I wonder whether one of those might go missing while we stay oh, there. Oh, Renata. <laughs> oh, my God. You do realise this is a podcast and you've just said that to the whole world. <laughs> no, I would not. No, she couldn't. It's actually not within our being to break the law. <laughs> I just I can't even roll through a stop sign. It's awful. Oh, dear. The de Maria Room forms part of the Smugglers Museum, housed within a wing of the famous inn, and boasting perhaps the best collection of historic smuggling exhibits in Britain. I so want to see that. The museum helps bring to life the connection between Jamaica Inn and smuggling in Cornwall. Can I drop off a pair of budgie smugglers? Do you think they'll even notice? I'll just leave them <laughs> lying over. Smuggling in Australia. <laughs> we'll just leave that there and say this is our donation to the smuggling <laughs> exhibit, the budgie uh. As the sign outside the door says, the museum explores classical examples of the arts of concealment and evasion. Ooh, we might learn how to tuck something away. <laughs> or one of Daphne's sign books. <laughs> Find a little hole that's never been used before. Stop. Tuck something in there. The real growth in smuggling took place during the 18th century when taxes were increased to help finance wars in Europe. <coughs> This made foreign goods like tea, tobacco, brandy and silk prohibitively expensive. It also made smuggling those items into Britain very, very profitable. Smuggling took place all over Britain, but an enormous amount of smuggled goods came ashore in Devon and Cornwall. Things, no, are, things really haven't changed much, have they? No. That's just what they're smuggling is, is changing. Yes. When people try to get cigarettes through, they'll buy cases full of cigarettes and bring them into England or Australia and go, oh, I didn't know that was there. <laughs> my, Where'd my, that come from? My 87-year-old mother packed the, the, my suitcases. <laughs> <laughs> and how old are you, sir? I'm 67. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Um, yes. So notably the towns of Boscastle, Tintagel, Trebarworth on the north coast and Polperro to the south. I'm sure all the UK people are giggling at your pronunciations. Yes. Uh, smuggling became a very common occupation in Cornwall, aided by the fact that there were few law enforcement officers and even if smugglers were caught, they were likely to be treated with leniency by judges who were probably good customers of the smuggled goods. Many of these smugglers stopped and the Jamaica Inn while transporting their goods further inland for dispersal to customers. Now, smugglers were not a usually violent breed, but said to be very cunning. Smuggling became accepted and many took part in the proceedings. When the customs dues were bought in back in the 13th century, some people rebelled and started to bring goods into the country illegally to avoid the high levy from the customs and thus smuggling activities began. 
So we mentioned luxury goods such as silks, tea, tobacco and brandy were more often smuggled into Cornwall than anywhere else in England. And you've got all those little like inlets around mm. Cornwall, those little bays that you can sort of come in with your vessel, your ship. Yeah, and you come in a little little putt putt and nobody would ever know. Yes, yeah. So um, <clears throat> I'm going to just talk a little bit more about the wreckers. Because, go for it. Because this was like a, a real thing, a real job. This unscrupulous deed involved misleading ships to come closer to the shore with beacon lights to deceive the navigation of a ship. Beacon lights were usually uh, out to indicate a safe passage for vessels entering a shallow or dangerous channel. The lights are a form of leading line that can be used for safe navigation at night. Oh, they still do that today because my I, I literally did grow up next to a lighthouse. Uh, and if anyone wants to look that up, it was Nobby's Lighthouse and there's three little houses up there. My dad used to work as a signal master mm-hmm. and he used to teach me all about the lights in the harbour and there was the green lights and the red lights and you had to pass with the, um, the green light on one side and the red light on the other side so that um, you knew you in the middle I, I think that's how it worked um but yeah no it, mm. it was that's that still happens to this day mm. so the wreckers false beacon lights would often lead to a ship being grounded on rocks or sandbanks and even worse in a storm as you can imagine many lives were lost in this way um and yeah i'll t- just i'll just finish this um and then i'll get back to something that I've just reminded myself of. They would board the ship and steal the goods, which could be anything from tea, alcohol, or any goods they could take. They would always have a choice place to stash the goods until they could move it on. It's believed there would be around a hundred different routes, routes, Let's not go down that path Across the moors to reach the remote inn where the smugglers stashed the contraband. The Cornish coastal region was ripe for smuggling activities because of its ruggedness and rocky coves, as we mentioned. It was often described as a haven for smugglers. Now, I remember when I was doing some research about uh, shipwrecks in Australia that there were some really interesting laws governing what would fall into the ocean from a ship and what could be gathered up by people when it came to shore. Right. Um, And some of those are actually still in, like, current So if a shipping container falls off the side of a ship, which happens all the time, it managed to float to shore. Yeah. There are specific rules about what can be taken, and I'd have to go in and find that information, but I found some of the things quite hilarious. It was quite a number of years ago, so that's about well, all I Well, thanks for teasing remember. us with that. <laughs> that's all I can remember. We're all excited now to find out the rules, and uh, no, I've forgotten now. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. So I'm going to go back to the museum at the Jamaica Inn. It's quite a large place, actually. I was quite surprised how many rooms and things there are. So the museum exhibits are incredibly fascinating. From a 1798 wanted poster to porcelain figurines of smugglers. What? (laughs) I'm going to get my Royal Dalton smuggler figurine out and pop it up there. Yeah. One of the most interesting items that caught our eye is a smuggler's scuffler. And I... (laughs) From the country. (laughs) An iron tool used to make prints of a horseshoe in the sand, pointing the wrong direction to fool pursuers. Oh, that's clever. The collection of items used to conceal smuggled goods is amazing. One example is a lady's corset with a hidden pouch for carrying jewels through customs. Mm. Oh, uh, my mother did that once. <laughs> she she, she got in now. <laughs> she's she's no longer with us. Um, but she got uh, our bras. We were going into Hong Kong and you're only allowed to take so much cash with you. So she decided that um, she would put little pockets, sew pockets into our bras and stash cash in there. Um, but we were nowhere near the limit of, mm. of what, because it's like $10,000. We, we didn't have $10,000. Yeah. We would have lucky to have 500 each. Yeah, yeah. So another is a copy of the AA Members Handbook with the inner pages cut out to make a hidden chamber. Perhaps the most sinister, sinister exhibit is a smuggler's skull found at Abbey Burnfoot. The skull was discovered in hidden cellars beneath an old house surrounded by iron chains. Oh, that reminds us of the uh, St. Mickens. 
in Ireland. Yes. Oh. Yes. Clearly the victim was chained up and left to die wow. in the cellars. Whoa. I wonder if that's the same chains that I've got a little bit of a story about. Mm. Mm. So if you're intending to visit... Uh, this particular site says that the Jamaica Inn is absurdly easy to find. The inn is very well signposted in both directions, uh, between Launceston and Bodmin, at one of the highest places in the moor. The museum is open daily throughout the year and must have the longest opening hours of any museum we've ever visited. <laughs> They want to make sure they get everyone. Yeah, the doors are always open. Though the official (coughs) museum entrance is on one side of the inn's entrance courtyard, we actually had to go in through the main entrance and ask at the bar about admission. There is a small entrance fee, and when we paid that, the the receptionist led us through a small cinema room to watch a short film on Daphne du Maurier and the inn. When the film was over, we simply exited the cinema by a door on the far side, which led us directly into the museum. The Smuggling Museum is incredibly interesting. The exhibits trace the history of smuggling from the occasionally romantic story of the 18th century smugglers on the Cornish coast to modern drug mules trying to smuggle illicit drugs through international airports. How awesome is that? Yeah. Let's book a room. Oh, absolutely. But before we do that, we need to hear all the ghost stories. Oh, yes. And let me tell you, we've got a few. Oh, I, look, I didn't realise. I, I only, um, with searching for the history, uh, there was not a lot of mention of ghosts other than there were some ghosts. Well, so I'm interested to hear what you have to strap say. Strap yourself in because we're going for a big ride. I'm strapped. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, this turned out to be bigger than I expected mm-hmm. with the amount of ghost stories. And as they said, there are a lot of people that have visited this location. So uh, the earliest supposed report of a haunting was been over 100 years ago. Mm. So this is unlike many of the cases that we've looked at where they've said, uh, you know, it started in the 70s around the satanic panic sort mm-hmm, of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been going on a long time. And we do have many rooms that are mentioned. And interestingly enough, I'm just having a quick look through my notes here. Room six is not mentioned. And that's the one that they said it was crazy. Yeah. Hmm. So, look, I might start with a list of locations and we'll work our way through them. I've got 
pages and pages of notes with scribbles all over it, uh, and I'm trying to link them all together. Uh, so one of the rooms is room five. Now, in this particular room, if you are booked into it, open up the wardrobe door, you're going to find a collection of toys and a folder of letters which have been left there by guests for the ghost of a little girl called Hannah, who is said to have spent her last night in the room with her mother. So in room five, uh, they are bothered by the sounds of footsteps walking around the room, rattling noises coming from the bathroom. The room said to feel very unsettled for someone who stays there. Uh, and in recent years, and like the, some of these ones I've been researching um, are only in the last four or five years they're talking about, which is, that's pretty recent. Uh, a soldier fled from room five in the night, preferring to sleep in his car rather than spend the night in that room. Ooh. I know. I love this idea of leaving letters and toys for the ghost. We did that at one particular place, or we suggested that happen here in Newcastle. Remember when there was a, a particular room in a very big big building in the top of town. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Where um, one of the local The building people, apartments now. <laughs> uh, where one of the people was saying that um, there is a child that's possibly there and we suggested to bring a little doll or something in and just pop oh, it in yes. the corner. Yes, yes, yes. I do remember that. Mm. Um, now, uh, I'm just jumping over to this uh, story about Hannah. So she's supposed to be one of the most famous ghosts, a juvenile ghost. Um, people have woken up to see wet footprints on the carpet leading across to the wardrobe where a bathroom used to be. Footsteps can be heard running around the room. Uh, other ones have said, you know, pacing around the room. Uh, a child's figure has been seen by the side of the bed and their legs have been touched. So no one's been hurt, but... Uh, she has a growing fan base uh, and people do write letters and send her toys uh, and they've left it there for her in the room. Oh, now that's so nice. It is nice, mm. but in actual fact, there's no record of anyone by the name of Hannah having stayed there. But, I mean, once again, this goes back many de decades, hundreds of years, mm. centuries. Mm. So who knows? There, there could have been, couldn't there? There could have been. And if they were smugglers, they wouldn't have, like, you know, left their names that they were there. You know yeah. what I mean? There yeah. would have been a lot of people going in and out and just paying an amount going, you know, we're staying here. Please don't tell anyone that we're here. You know, we're not going to log you into a book or anything. Um, plus, maybe records weren't kept. And you know what? Women and children were treated like in oh, those they early days. They, they didn't count. And we've, we've actually got some stories out as well. But um, let's get back down into the rooms and I will tell you about another room. All mm -hmm. right. I'm just looking at my notes. We're going to go to room seven. <laughs> now, this is another one of the ones that aren't necessarily a well-known room, but they had some investigators go in there and they used their electronic voice recorder and called an EVP. Voices we can't hear with our own ears, but will be appearing on recorders. Mm -hmm. They were sitting quite close together listening and there were no noises recorded at all but suddenly they hear a woman's voice say quiet there's a baby in here oh oh i know that's right? a long sentence that's a huge sentence for to, to appear as an evp and it'd be interesting when we get in there and find out how thin the walls are mm. Mm. uh we thought it must have been on the recording. Oh, so hang on. So then we both heard a woman's voice say, quiet, there's a baby in here. Uh, but when they played the recording back, there was nothing there. Oh, right. So, so it wasn't an EVP. Oh, I need to read my notes better, don't I? Wait till that coffee kicks in. I'll be fine. Now, um, that's that room. So then there's also room uh, 27, apparently, they had issues in. There was a, a gentleman called Colin. 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 Colin staying in there. <laughs> uh, 
when he saw an apparition and it apparently it surprised him. I went to bed around 2 a.m. after an investigation. I was just drifting off when I looked down to the luggage rack at, at the bottom of the bed and noticed a patch that was darker than everywhere else in the room. Do not put the UV torch on that. <laughs> no. Just say, do not. And we are taking one. We are taking one. We are. This. this is not going to be a good idea, Renata. <laughs> if we are taking <laughs> a UV torch it's with us. It's not going to be good. Right in front of his eyes, the blackness turned into a form like a woman with her hair in a bun and her hands on her hip. It was Renata. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, apparently, at that stage, he pulled the uh, sheet of protection over his head and stayed there for the rest of the night. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, and that was the report of a Victorian lady. Mm. Now, there is the report of a man in a tricorn, tricorn hat <clears throat> that keeps appearing throughout the inn, mm-hmm. but particularly in one of the rooms. Oh, this is going to... Well, like, like you said, we've got to get everyone to participate and tell us which room they want us to stay in. There is just so much going Oh, look, I've just had a whole page that was stuck together there that I missed. Um, so let me find the man in the tricorn hat. So first off, I'm scribbling out the um, the stories as I read them out so that I get through them all. Um, a man is seen sat by the fireplace and has been witnessed as recently as 2018 by a well-respected paranormal investigator Mm -hmm. during one of the inn's ghost hunts. Now, there is a lot of ghost hunts that go on there. The figure was described as having black curly hair, a frilly white shirt, black boots and a tricorn hat. Uh, Now, he also appears in a bedroom somewhere. Let me find the, the room. Now, this this man in the tricorn hat has also been uh, seen uh, in the restaurant area. Um, There's reports of this man appearing who will shoot off through solid doors and walls. Now, the thought is, is that he might have been the notorious smuggler Jack Trevelis. Uh, So, I don't know how they came up with that, but, you know... Then we go on to the story of a young man named Jack. Mm -hmm. Is this the same Jack? Uh, And it says that he was lured away from his drink and was murdered on the moor. Nothing like a good murder on the moor. I feel a book coming on. Out on the way. (laughs) Right. Since then, Jack is believed to return to the inn in the form of a ghostly apparition and seen sitting on in the corner of the main bar or leaning against the fireplace. Now, there is also the report of somebody who who is a murdered man that sits outside on the wall of the inn. Mm-hmm. Now, he, he was one of the very first reported ones back in 1911. Uh, and this, the, there was one article that I read, they called this bonus spook. I thought it was hilarious. Many years ago, a new guest came to the inn. He was enjoying his beer and was summoned outside. That was the last time he was seen alive. The following morning, he was found dead on the moor. The cause of the death and the person responsible are a mystery to this day. Many believe that this man still roams the area. There have been many sightings of man sitting on the wall outside the inn. His description matches that of a man that died there years ago. He does not communicate or move. So that's the man on the wall. Right, and that's Jack. We've done that one. All right, let's go to... Um, have we done room four? No. Oh, let's do room four. Right, I think that's those pages can just bugger off for a minute. Uh, oh, I've got a little bit more in room three there. All right, let, um, so let's go to room four. Uh, in room four, there's reports of strange smells, sounds of muffled voices, sometimes in foreign languages, heavily booted footsteps, and a sighting of a man standing by the side of the bed near the window, watching those who sleep. The man is said to be dressed as a highwayman in a green coat with a tricorn hat. Okay. So room four. So remember, guys, you've got to pick the room we're going to sleep in. Just saying. <laughs> Great. Um, all right. Now, I think I mentioned room... No, I mentioned room five originally, didn't I? 
So we're up to room three. I'm all over the place. So apparently in room three, there's been a woman with a crying baby heard. Uh, Others reported hearing the baby crying, despite the fact that no baby is staying at the inn at the time. Some think she could be the ghost of a single woman named Mary Downing. Oh, there's the hounds of the (laughs) moors. In 1834, she sued the married landlord, Thomas Dunn, in order to make him recognise their illegitimate son. Oh. oh, adding to the room's sorrow, some have also reported hearing a crying woman believed to be Mary. So it's no wonder that so many of guests report feeling upset in the room. The ghost of a 10-year-old boy also has been seen at the end of the four-poster bed, scratching his... Um, <coughs> <that's>, <laughs> Don't pause there. Don't pause. Don't pause there. No, I was going to say scratching his head, but that would be lice. No, scratching has been heard. (laughs) Coffee, coffee. Scratching has been heard coming from the walls and housekeeping staff are forever having to clean off the small fingerprints that keep appearing on room three's mirror. Oh. Room three sounded good too. This is awesome. um, All right, so we've done three, we've done four, we've done five. Must must, Must be room six. Room six. Another of the rooms in the older part of the inn is said to be paranormally active. An older couple staying in the room claimed that while they were in the bed, the furniture in the room started shaking. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) Um, The shadow cast by an unseen man has been spotted in the bathroom doorway. Now, room six is the one um, that was mentioned in the... Yeah, and he said that it wasn't um, mentioned, but it actually was mentioned. Now, they've also got lots of corridors there, and the corridor um, that's upstairs in the old part, there have been reports of unexplained footsteps. Um, One occasion, heavy footsteps were heard by no less than 25 people in the bar below. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. that's, That's gold. They were attending a paranormal night at the inn. Mm, that reminds me a little bit of 30 East Drive. Mm. They happened to hear paranormal phenomena above them. But in saying that, we've had that happen to us. Yes, we have. We've had a group of people downstairs as we're explaining to them what's going to happen during the night. And we hear footsteps running across the floors up above us. Yes. And we all raced upstairs and to you've... the only entrance. Nothing. And you've taken off and everyone's just sat there with their... They're looking terrified. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, footsteps, run. I think Michelle was hot in my heels and we both raced up there and checked it out and there was nobody. So, I mean, it would have been a great setup, wouldn't it? Anyway, um, now we've got a mention of room 23. Now, this is in the newer wing of the hotel. So it's not only the old one, uh, but they have the woman in Victorian style clothing. There's always a woman. There's always a woman. Always a woman in Victorian style clothing. Uh, So she's been seen standing in the room. Paranormal researchers investigating the room have witnessed knocks on the door and the patio, the patio, but CCTV footage showed that there was nobody there. I haven't heard that word for years. Patio? 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 No one says patio anymore. What do they say? Veranda. <laughs> out in the veranda. Oh, <laughs> lost Renata. Oh, all right. Where are we up to? Oh, I've still got like four pages of notes. How are we going for time? Oh, we're good. Um, so, reception. Mm-hmm. Even the hotel's reception is said to be haunted by the ghostly apparition of a man in a cape seen walking past and the front oh. desk. And down the corridor. They're ticking the boxes. There's a man in a cape. There's a woman in Victorian clothing. There's a child, a babe, babe. who is crying. Uh, There's a woman that's crying. There's a man in a three... Tears KPI is all I can say. Three, three, whatever hat, three... three. The tricorn hat. Oh, tricorn hat. They said, um, think of Paul Dark. The TV yes, the yes. series Pole Dark, and yep. then you'll know what that, mm-hmm. that is. Um, so, yeah, staff have seen shadowy figures moving around the restaurant, kitchen, and server, servery area. They've heard children giggling when the inn is closed. Uh, ghostly figures seem walking from the farm shop over to the gift shop. They've got a farm shop? They've got a farm shop. <laughs> oh, my God. Food. <laughs> and guess what they said that he looks like? This phantom looks like... Big man with a cape. Oh, it's Batman! <laughs> <laughs> Bat- 
Batman <laughs> the Jamaican I can't wait oh this is going to be so exciting <laughs> oh okay there's also the sighting of a young girl with blonde curly hair wearing a Victorian smock dress oh nice apparently something must have gone down in the Victorian era because everyone's decided to come back in that era wearing their favourite frock yeah. <laughs> So she's been seen at the by the staff at the end of the corridor to the side of the gift shop. Uh, so I've this, got a gift <laughs> Got everything we can ask for, Renata. <laughs> <laughs> there will be shopping. I'm going to drop a green pin on this. There's going to be green. There's shopping there. Oh, we need two nights. Okay. Um, so this is it's a relatively new area, but apparently the corridor lies on what once used to be the outside walkway to the church. Oh, there's a church too. I don't know if it's still there. All right. We'll keep away from that. It'll fall in on us. <laughs> um, now, the gift shop is haunted. Oh, yes. Excellent. The double we can shop and have ghosts. Uh, they apparently regularly find toys and books scattered around the floor. Poor buggers. I'd be getting pretty cranky having to clean that up every day. Yeah. Um, staff have reported having ponytails pulled and a female spirit has been seen. She's often described as wearing... <laughs> Victorian clothing? Yes! <laughs> you read my mind! Oh, but I wonder her, if it's the same spirit. Um, apparently her age varies from mid-30s to looking much older and haggard with hair in a bun. It's <laughs> you again! <laughs> You're back. <laughs> so I have those days. I really do. I feel for this ghost. <laughs> I'm going to have a nice long chat to her when I get there. All right. So not only is the gift shop haunted, right? Right. And what was the other one we got excited about? <laughs> the, the farm shop. The farm shop. The toilets are haunted. Oh, oh, yes. I've experienced a haunted toilet. There's nothing like a dunny haunt. Um, yes, you did at Maitland Jail. Yes. They got a bit fresh with you in the toilet. It's not a nice experience, no. let me tell you. Uh, it is said that the ladies' loo door regularly opens on its own despite having a swing hinge. And in the man's toilet, the sound of arguing men has been heard when the room is completely empty. Oh, nice. I'm liking this list. <coughs> it's a good list. It is a good list. And then we also have the stable boy, David. Oh. And um, we always know what happens when the stable boy's around. He gets very frisky. Oh, you've had experiences I've not had. No. <laughs> you haven't read the books. It's always the stable what boy. What books are you reading? It's the stable boy. You're on the Mills and Boone again. <laughs> you've got to stop reading that crap, Renata. Sorry. I'm sorry. Fabio's on the front I'm cover. I'm sorry. Hello, I am a stable boy. <laughs> <laughs> and Renata's going, ha, ha, ha. All right. Anyway, meanwhile, back at the stable, stable boy, David. It's not the pool boy. It's the stable boy. <laughs> the first floor of the old stable block is now occupied by additional guest rooms. The ground floor houses the Smugglers Museum, uh, as we know. And the museum is said to be haunted by the former stable boy named David. Uh, people that have been in the museum have uh, claimed to see a model of an elephant on display in one of the cabinets move on its own. Ooh. So they've seen this elephant moving and they've gone, oh, I know who that is. It's David, the stable boy. Who else could it be? How did they come up with this name? How did they come up with the fact it's a stable boy? A, a very famous psychic, oh. obviously, has come in and gone, it's David the Stable Boy. Mm. Uh, some of these stories have come from Ghouls and Ghosts from In on the Moor, History of Jamaica Inn by Rosemarie Mullins. Um, she actually goes back talking about some of the past owners and the things that they've experienced there. So she's talking about Reg, Reg, Reg Carthew or Carthew. Um he didn't believe in ghosts until he moved in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever he went to the old engine room, he'd always get the feeling that somebody was behind him and he used to get a bit you know, worried about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a bit later, a new manager came in, Mr. Gross, and uh, they were talking together. And um, apparently this new manager sort of said, uh, I get really creeped out going to the this old engine room. I, I always feel like there's someone behind me. And that's where Reg got to go, me too. Oh. oh. We're going to have to take our K2 meters just to check Oh, well, EVPs. that will prove it's a ghost for sure, won't it? <laughs> Bloody K2 meters. Well, I was thinking about the electronic 
not the electronic, the um, electromagnetic fields. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be serious for a second. Yeah, there no. could be a whole lot of like EVP in the area, and that's why people think there's that's someone right. standing behind them. It, it could be floating it's 5G engine vibes. <sighs> I don't think it's an engine room anymore. Um, so th- now this story comes from the, the book I just mentioned. It talks about Mr. Palmer, one of the owners of the inn after the war. So this is 1950s. Uh, the family used to hear footsteps frequently on the stairs when no one was there. Uh, and there was one night that Mr. and Mrs. Palmer were sitting on... Oh, no, it says Reg and Mr. Palmer. That's not Mr. and Mrs. Uh, were in the old stock room. Uh, and they were about to light up a cigarette each, and Mr. Palmer muttered a curse, <laughs> suddenly leapt to his feet, cigarette and lighter falling to the floor, and shot across the room towards the outer door as Reg watched in amazement. When he returned, he asked furiously to Reg, where had that man gone? But Reg had seen no one. But the interesting thing was, when they came back a little bit later, they found, oh no, <laughs> I'm, I'm mix, mixing my stories up. Hang on, let me get back up there. So they saw no one, right? Um, but then one of the cooks, one of the cooks uh, had seen, uh, been working there for many years uh, and they saw a man in a green cloak come through the restaurant and go out towards the reception when she asked the manager, who was that man? They went, there was no one. Nobody came out from the restaurant. The restaurant door is locked. And later that evening, they found the smell of cigarettes and discovered that there was not only an ashtray with cigarette butts in it, but a spiralling smoke rising out of nowhere. (gasps) Now, some of these ghosts are sounding extremely familiar. So it seems as though they are just wandering through the place, and people are as seeing if it's them their own. As, as, and people are seeing them in different rooms because you've got descriptions there that sort of harken back to stories that you've told in other rooms. Mm. So mm. it all crosses over. It does. Uh, but this one is an unusual one. This 16-year-old girl recently saw a young man wearing a U.S. Airman's uniform come through the kitchen and enter the bar before vanishing. He's also been spotted twice in the stable block. Now, yeah, we go, what? How how is that going to happen? But apparently that's probably right because thousands of American troops were stationed in the Bodmin and Launceston areas of Cornwall during World War II. They used to frequent the pubs. So, it's it's that's he's a logical back, one. He's coming back for a drink. Yeah, good on him. Don't blame him. Now there is on the interwebs yes. uh, a video of a flying phone, and I've watched it, and it's interesting. But I'm not necessarily think it's paranormal. You guys have a look at it and see what you think. Uh, this happened in 2017. They have a young lady who is packing up the bar and um, you can see in the background uh, the, the spot they're talking about. They actually have several different views because mm-hmm. they must have CCTV throughout. And you see this moment where the phone that is hanging on the wall, it's like one of those ones that it clicks onto a wall mm-hmm. in the bracket, mm-hmm. just suddenly pops off and falls falls over, falls out. Uh, And startling the poor lady, April, who was standing nearby, Uh, she goes over bravely to have a look uh, and can't work out what's happened. But 20 minutes earlier, she had heard the bar door open, but nobody enter. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes those phones, if they're not quite sitting properly, because they've got a little spring latch on it, it will pop off. But have a look at the video. See what you think. Now, here's a, another good one. We've got a blacksmith. His name is John Cock. Right. Here we go. I was burning up. I had prickly heat all over. My colleague got me outside quickly. In the cold air, I felt completely normal again. We put it down to the one we call the blacksmith. A blacksmith named John Cock is listed... <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, she wouldn't be able to do it. Is listed as living on the premises in the 1861 and 1881 census records and had a son by the same name. So there were two cocks living there. At the farmhouse across the road, there is still the original forge and the old bellows and now kept in the pub. They are also people picking up on a shadow of a big built man with aggressive presence that is seen around the stable blocks in the museum. Two women have reported feeling someone put their hand up their skirts in oh. the same area. Oh. The cocks were being inappropriate. They were. That's not nice. Was it the blacksmith? Or the unstable boy. (laughs) Or, no, I've got another one for you. Oh, another one. Could it be the brooding landlord's son, James Broad? Oh. Now, why is it that the big brooding blacksmith has to be nasty and aggressive? Mm, That's true. Probably a gentle soul. Don't don't pick on big people and shadows and say that they're nasty because they're they just might be nice. Yes. But there is another large grumpy presence that regularly makes its way around the inn. Uh, and it is apparently this James Broad, whose father, John, opened the inn in the 1750s. As a man of the period, he doesn't seem to like modern strong women. Uh-oh. Mm. Or oh, you're going to have trouble with us. In those times, women would have been subservient and without the rights that they have now. Asking if there's a woman he likes, I've gone round the room and touched each one on the shoulder. And when I reach one that's a uh, bit more buxom, the equipment will go mental. Oh, I'm going to put a K2 down my cleavage. (laughs) They're going to love you. The girls are going to come into action. They're going to be trigger objects. All right. I'm trying not to double up here. So, um,. We've had the girl with the Victorian long blonde hair. Uh, apparently, she also has a giggling friend in the gift shop. We've had the pole dark style attire. Uh, we've had the crying baby. Um, I think that I may have finally exhausted my list. But well, that's look. That's at least like seven, eight, oh, nine. Oh, no, I forgot something. Nine ghosts. I forgot something. The clip clop. On, on a moonlight night, you might hear the sounds of horses' hooves and the metal rims of carriages in the courtyard outside the inn. Any attempts to find where the sound is coming from will end in disappointment. <laughs> did I did I make that exciting you enough? You did. Thank you. you did. Well, that brings me to the end of my list. This is exciting. I cannot wait to go there. Yeah. And look, there, there could be a lot of residual stuff there, but I'm I'm excited to to sit down and listen to it. Yes, yes. Now we need to have a cider. We need to have a meal. Oh. We need to pick the most haunted room, which you guys are going to have to pick. Yep. So you're going to have to put onto the True Hauntings podcast Facebook page all of the rooms. Oh, do I have to list them? Associated ghosts, and oh. we will have a. Um, uh, a poll. A poll. We can do a poll. Now, do a it, poll. it will have to go into the Anne and Renata Frightfully Good group. Right. Because that's the only place we can do polls. Okay. All right. So, guys, come and find us on there. Also, if you'd like to uh, support us in the work that we do, we have a Patreon page called Anne and Renata Frightfully Good. I think I've even put True Hauntings on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you become one of our Grand Pooh Bar Patreon supporters, we'll pop you into our private Facebook group where we've got extra video footage and we do lives for them. We do our tarot readings. We tell them all the secrets of what's going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are like family to us really yes and we're going to be putting all of the details the pre the pre-tour details in that group as well so yeah, they know exactly where we're going shot. so that now brings us to the end is this a true haunting or not Renata as I <laughs> bring my fingers together and kind of rub them in delight I hope it is yeah, I reckon. I, hope it I is. think we've got a good crack at this one being a true one. Yeah, I I know that they do paranormal investigations there, and they're running them every weekend. And I know they're making money from it. And once again, we say that these places do have to do that to be able to upkeep the the residents. That is true. That doesn't mean that it's not haunted. Um, 
I, I'm I'm going to say that yeah, I reckon this is a, a true one because there is a lot of stuff that's gone down at this end. Mm. Let's see what we can find out. Anyway, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of True Hauntings. If you'd like to leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it so much, particularly on iTunes. Uh, if you could even reach out and say to us, hey, girls, I really enjoyed that. That gives us a little boost to keep going. You can help us out by becoming a Patreon member. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel and where there's loads of videos of us traveling all over the place, getting up to naughtiness, as we do. But until next week, we will all see you on The Dark Side. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata... Follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.anneandrenata.com. True Hauntings is a part of the Human Labs Podcast Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.